our lives. We want to be, <clears throat> the Bible says in Matthew chapter 5, let your light so shine amongst men that they would see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Walk in the light. Allow people to see the light of Christ in you so that God can be glorified and you could say, hey, that's not me. That's the Lord. That's the Lord working in me. That's the Lord working through me. Praise and glory be to God. But again, we do the very opposite thing. We keep people from God in sometimes the lives that we live, the lifestyles that we live. Nobody's attracted to what we have. Nobody's attracted to the things that we do and how we do it and the things that we say and how we treat one another. And they're like, wow, well, if that's Christianity, then (laughs) I don't really see that working very well for you. So why would I want that? So we want to be careful not to do that. On the other issue of this fig tree, you see Jesus walk by a fig tree. He sees it where he sees leaves. And he's walking with his disciples. And he sees the fig tree on Monday. And he goes up to it and it has no fruit to offer. And he curses it. And it withers. The next day on Tuesday, they go back and Peter marvels. Jesus, you cursed the fig tree and it's withered. It's no more. It dried up from the, it says, roots. Gigantic application point for this section of scripture. And I stole it from John Corson. I, I couldn't go without. I'm just, as I'm reading this, I'm like, wow, this is deep. So let's go through this lesson of the fig tree quickly. And remember that it's from the roots. And the roots, what does that speak of? In your life and in my life, it speaks of the hidden things. The things that are underground. The things that nobody sees. The things that are deep within. The roots of issues. And in those roots of issues, God would have us to look to him. And not being pretending or hiding. So, in verses 21 and 22, let's read it again. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. Number one, the object of our faith. What is the object of your faith? Everybody has faith. The Bible declares in the book of Ecclesiastes that God has given to every man a measure of faith. And so everybody has faith, but it's faith in God. It's not faith in faith. It's not faith in yourself and your potential and your abilities. Faith in God. He says, have faith in God. I remember talking to my overseer when I worked in high school ministry. It would probably be See, if my daughter is 28 this year, then I'd go back, I'd do the math, and she's probably about 10 at the time. So, wow, quite a few years ago, huh? 18 years ago. So I'm serving in ministry, in high school ministry, and I remember telling him, as we had this conversation, I have a lot of faith. And he's like, do you have a lot of faith? What's your faith in? Well, I have a lot of faith that I could do a lot of things. And he said, woo, be careful, because you're bordering on having faith in your faith. God will strip you of that faith so you can have faith in God and you can see you really don't have that strong of a faith. Be careful. And so we need to have faith, not in our faith, not in our ability to believe, not in our ability to do things. We have to have faith in God. And So number one, faith, the object of our faith is having faith in God. Notice now number two, the outwork of faith is in verse 23. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain be removed and be cast into the sea 
and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. The outwork of faith. If you'll notice in that verse, three times he, ha- he says, says what's coming out of his mouth. Speak faith. We often hear that prayer changes things, but that's not entirely true. Prayer changes things. Uh, Prayer changes us. Faith changes things. Jesus didn't say, if you encounter a mountain, pray that it might be gone. No, he said, have faith in God and then verbally, audibly, tell the mountain to be removed. Speak faith. He didn't say all those other things. He said to speak, speak it out. In Romans chapter 10, the Bible says that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, we will be saved. Confessing with our mouth. There's a neat little verse in in Hebrews. Let me read it to you. It's Hebrews chapter 13, but I think it goes right along with this. Hebrews chapter 13, and I'll read you verses 5 and 6. The Bible says, Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with what such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Hebrews chapter 13 is saying, God has said so that you will say. And so faith is uh, expressed through what we say. Notice in Mark 11, verse 14. In response, Jesus said to it, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard it. What did Jesus do? He said it. It came out of his mouth. And so you have the object of our faith, God, the outwork of our faith, our words. Number three, the obtaining of faith, found in verse 24. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. The obtaining of faith. This is not the selfish, positive confession or name it and claim it movement. Jesus taught on faith not to obtain a mountain, rather it was to curse a fruitless situation and to remove an obstacle. And this is gigantic. It's not this selfish thing. It's, Lord, here is this obstacle that's not bringing fruit into my life, and I get to speak something forth that will change that situation. And that's what Jesus is talking about. Jump over with me because I can't say it as good as James or as well as James. Look, I can't even speak as good as... Turn, turn to James chapter 4. Hold your place in Mark. But this section of scripture delineates this very clearly. When we pray, why do we not receive the things that we pray for? James is telling us in James chapter 4. And I want to read verses... Quite a few. Starting at verse 1. James chapter 4. The Bible declares, Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. 
you fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Adulterers and adulteresses. Adulterers and adulteresses, yeah. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealousy, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hands, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. So the problem with the name it and claim it faith movement that we've seen over the last 12 or so years is it's they're consuming what they're naming and claiming all on themselves. Lord, I want a Cadillac. Lord, I want a mansion. Lord, I want to wear $6,000 suits. It's all name it and claim it selfish. That's not what Jesus is teaching as he says, I want you to pray by faith and you will be able to move mountains. If the mountain in front of you is looming that is going to keep you from producing fruit in your life to get closer to God, this is what he's saying you can pray for. And this is what he's saying, God will move mountains out of your ways. Lord, I've tried. I can't. Lord, I've tried to do this. I've I've tried over and over. I can't. Pray to God in faith that you can be closer to God, that you can have something that God would have for you and watch what happens. Number four and last in Mark chapter 11 on faith is the obstacle to faith. Notice verses 25 through 26. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. Very, very difficult verse to understand and to interpret. If I don't forgive, God won't forgive me. I didn't say that. Jesus did. If I don't forgive and I harbor unforgiveness in my heart, the Bible is clearly telling me that God will not forgive me. I don't know what that means. And I'm not going to try to explain it away. I'm going to let the word of God speak. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, that by grace we have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. And yet, in what looks like a, contradict, a contradiction here, God is saying, I'm not going to forgive you if you don't forgive. Number four, the obstacle of faith. Because Jesus clearly links faith to forgiveness. If we're not forgiving, the power of faith is short-circuited. Why? Because a person who does not love or will not forgive cannot be entrusted with that kind of power. He'll misappropriate it. She'll hurt herself and others with it. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 6, the Bible says, but faith working through love. God wants faith working through love. And as we pray, and we pray in the affirmative for the things that we need, if we're harboring unforgiveness in our hearts, if we're holding 
unforgiveness in the lives of other people in our lives, then God is saying, can't help you. You haven't started at the foundational place that you need to be at. And the audacity of any person to hold unforgiveness away from somebody else when throughout the scriptures it teaches that we've been forgiven a debt that we could not pay. That in contrast to what Jesus forgave us of and the things that people can do towards us, minuscule in comparison. And I'm not saying that there's not hurt in this world. And I'm not saying that there's things that um, don't violate us. And I'm not saying that God is not aware of that hurt. And how, how dare God, he doesn't even understand. He doesn't even know how much pain there is in my heart. No, he does. He does. He knows better than anybody else. And he's saying that my forgiven people shall be forgiving people. And by faith, we got to take that to the throne and we got to say, God, I can't do this. You got to do this for me. You got to help me. You're commanding me to do this. So Lord, I'm going to forgive by faith. And will you help me? Because this is a mountain in front of me. This is a mountain that I can't move. I've tried in my own strength. I've tried in my own formulas. And so I'm just surrendering this area of life to you. I'm taking you, Lord, at your word. I'm allowing you to be God and I'll be your child. I'll be your servant. And in obedience, I'll just simply come to you and say, Lord, you have to help me in this area. So powerful things within that section. We're going to wrap it up with the final section, and then we're going to put a little ribbon on it because I'm going to leave a loose end right there on this faith thing. Our last section is 27 through 33. Then they came again to Jerusalem, and as he was walking in the temple, the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders came to him. And they said to him, by what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority to do these things? But Jesus answered and said to them, I also will ask you one question, then answer me, and I will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John, was it from heaven or from men? Answer me. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, if we say from heaven... He will say, why then did you not believe? But if we say for men, they feared the people for all counted John to have been a prophet indeed. So they answered and said to Jesus, we do not know. And Jesus answered and said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. And so there it is, once again, they're going to trap Jesus in words. They're going to trick Jesus with a tough question for Jesus And Jesus has this ability to just, hmm, yeah, not so much. Now, at first view, it would be like, well, why didn't Jesus just answer the question? I mean, just answer the question. Who gave you this authority? What's the big deal? Is Jesus trying to withhold some valuable information from them? In John's gospel, I find this interesting, chapter 5, let me read you this little section. In John's gospel, it talks about authority to execute judgment. Again, let me read you verses 25 through 29 in John's gospel. It says, most assuredly, and this is Jesus speaking, most assuredly I say to you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, 
So he has granted the son to have life in himself and has given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the son of man. Do not marvel at this for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. What authority does Jesus have He has the authority to cast into hell. That's some serious level authority. And Jesus didn't even answer that question. This isn't a trap on the part of Jesus to bring condemnation to the religious leaders. It is yet another act of mercy to bring them to repentance by revealing their wicked motives. The Bible declares in the book of Proverbs that the fear of man is a trap. And when we care what people think about us or the things we say or the things we do more than what God cares, then we are trapped. They couldn't answer Jesus' question because why? Did you catch it? They said, we can't say that John the Baptist was from, wasn't from God because they feared the people. And the fear of man kept them from coming to God. What will people say? What will people think? What will people do? They should have cared what God cared above that. When Jesus asked them to answer the question regarding John the Baptist, he was not evading their question because if John was from God, then he was right about Jesus, that he was the Messiah. If what John said was true, then Jesus had all authority. Studying this week, I came across this quote from uh, one of the commentaries, uh, Cole. It says, the Lord's question was not a trap, It was yet another opportunity for them to realize and confess their blindness and ask for sight. It was an act of mercy on his part. Wow, look at who this is. Look at who's in front of you and finally surrender your life to him. But instead they went away and they conspired how to kill him as opposed to receive him. Why did Jesus take them back to John the Baptist? It would be John the Baptist who started and, and, and gave them the commandment to repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Why to John the Baptist? They rejected John the Baptist and that's where they needed to go back to. Because this was the point where the priests, scribes, and elders took a wrong turn. Their rejection of John set the stage for their final rejection of Jesus. I found this quote. Obedience is the conduit through which fresh understanding flows unhindered. Again, let me read that to you. Obedience is the conduit through which fresh understanding flows unhindered. If I am obeying the Lord, I will get more understanding from the Lord. I found this crazy verse. I was listening to a study this week on the radio um, and this verse just, it just, you know, like you're reading the Bible and it jumps off the page and this tiny little verse in Deuteronomy chapter two, verse three, you wonder where we get the idea of circling the foot of the mountain and not growing with the Lord. Deuteronomy chapter two, verse three says, you have circled this mountain long enough, now turn north. The nation of Israel had a 13 day journey from Kadesh Barnea 
into the promised land. And through disobedience, they would find themselves in the wilderness for 40 years, walking in circles. And it had come to the place in their life where finally that first generation had died out and God is now telling the new generation, you've circled the foot of this mountain long enough. Turn north. And that's a word for somebody in here. You've circled the mountain long enough. It's time now to walk by faith. There's a mountain that's looming in front of you. And you cannot get that mountain out of the way in your strength, in your ability, in your... You don't have the wherewithal. And now you have to just look to the Lord north, due north, the point, the, the point of compass that leads me home, that leads me in the direction that I need to go. Look to the Lord from where your help comes from. Let Him move those mountains as you speak by faith, words that will be able to do what God wants to do. As he just, whatever that is in your life, in your heart, that you want to surrender over to the Lord, you want to give to the Lord. And again, I just, as I was reading throughout this week and just studying this, and it finally came together, just wow, what a powerful chapter as you see and watch what God wants to do in lives. Guys, God's not against us. God's not wishing bad upon us. God is not holding or withdrawing his, his good favor on our lives. But there are things in our lives that God just simply wants to get a hold of. And it's through that wandering, it's through that struggle, it's through that difficulty as we circle the foot of the mountain that finally it's like, okay, Lord, reveal it to me. Do I need to go back to John the Baptist, the word that you gave me? And I don't think they're small things. I really don't. Because this, this can be a message of condemnation where it's like, oh my gosh, well, what is the tiny little thing? And I, I can't figure it out. Well, these are big things. These are things that are clearly communicated in the scriptures. And so remember that uh, when we read the, the disciples through obedience to God went through a storm. Some of us are going through storms through no fault of our own. You just continue to look to the Lord. And those are refining storms. Those are storms of preparation. Those are storms of God getting us ready for what he has prepared for us. And so don't, don't always take all of those things personal. But if there's something in your life that you know specifically, yeah, you know what, I, I, can't, I can't harbor those types of things in my heart. I can't do those things and, and know that I'm right with God. God has clearly communicated that there's some things that I need to surrender to him. If those are things and you give them to the Lord, he's a good God. He loves us. He has an awesome plan for our lives. And so I want to encourage you guys with that. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that you, you want to ascend the mountain with us, Lord. You want us to go higher in the things of God. And so, Lord, I just pray for my brothers. I pray for my sisters. And I pray that you would clearly communicate, Lord, if, if there's some who are questioning maybe what it is in their life, um, that they need to surrender. Father, that you would <clears throat> communicate that to them. And Lord, for the others who, there's no sin to speak of. There's no harboring of things within their heart. They just simply know that they're in difficulty 
and they need guidance from you, Lord. I just pray that you would open doors that no man can shut and shut doors, Lord, that no man can open. And so, Father, I thank you for your word. And I thank you, Lord, that you have chosen to partner with us. And, Lord, that you come down to our level and you say you have need of things that you've blessed us with or that you've given us. And, Lord, I pray that we would give those things back to you and watch you do with those things things that we could never do in and of ourselves. And so, Lord, we thank you for your word. And I just thank you for this family, Lord. Your blessing upon them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand for this last song. I'll be in the back.